So here we go. Back on the microphone. Uh, can't, for the life of me, think what I can talk about besides the coronavirus. But that is the... Uh, that is the 10 trillion pound gorilla in the room here. And uh, I think a thing, a lot of things are going to change as a result of this. And uh, I like numbers. My degree is in math. And so I, uh, even though it took me forever to graduate and uh, five and a half years, three summer schools, uh, three tries at differential equations, and like every dumb kid, Back then, you say, when the hell am I ever going to use this stuff? And I find myself today thinking quite a bit about risk and um, these things like pandemics and infectious diseases and uh, human behavior and all those kind of things seem to be lining up for the things that I find most interesting, which is complexity theory, talking about chaos and, you know, whether it's even possible to apply these things. And so um, I thought what I need to do is because I have all this equipment and there's so much to talk about, I'm just going to get on the mic and uh, just talk. And a, a good friend of mine had said not too long ago that he really thought I should get into podcasting more than obviously I am. And I, and what it struck, how it struck me was that I um, I love to talk and I love to riff with people. And I find the people I like the most and that I jive most with are the ones who laugh at my jokes. And if anybody who's listening to this knows who I am, you will probably agree that that's kind of one big thing is I love an audience. And uh, I guess anybody who likes to make people laugh uh, loves an audience. And for me, I need an audience. And uh, what I mean by that is I've done a couple podcasts already or at least I've done a couple recordings and they are all over the it's all over the place right now uh, one was I just did a test one and you'll probably I'll, I'll probably place it on the website soon and it's uh, just talking about mostly about uh, psychedelic mushrooms then I recorded my father uh, and we really just kind of did a data dump and, and put our family history down on tape so I would have it and my kids would have it and uh my sister's kids would have it, and uh, it's just a way of kind of maintaining the continuity of our family and also recognizing how important it is to our stories as to uh, who came before us. And we don't just pop into this world uh, through just the most pure random uh, uh, circumstances. Uh, without us, there or without my parents, there would be no me. Without their parents, there would be no them. And uh, and on and on and on into uh, into I guess into all the way back into history towards to the Big Bang. Um, you can trace all your existence to that very moment, and we kind of emerge as human beings. And um, we do not. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. We have to. Uh, uh, we have to recognize that the others came before us, and it's just dumb luck, uh, dame fortune, lady luck, whatever, that I am here. And so um, uh, I find life just, just infinitely fascinating right now. And things like in an infectious disease that is sweeping across the land like the four horsemen of the apocalypse, um, that's a big deal. And it, it makes it for ye very yeasty times and gives, us, uh, gives me a lot of stuff to, to talk about. 
I thought um, what I will do on an ongoing basis is I've been keeping these notebooks, these small moleskin notebooks. I've been keeping them for probably 10 or 12 years now, maybe longer, uh, probably 20 years, to be honest with you, because I got a ton of them laying around. And it's just kind of a jumbled mass of quotes and data and things I find interesting, thinking, kind of diary stuff. Um, but it all just kind of rolls on and on and on, almost like millions and millions of bullet points. There doesn't seem to be a coherent narrative here, which is kind of... Uh, kind of like my life uh, doesn't seem to be on a kind of a linear path here and there's a lot of luck in, intruding uh, or happening in your life and um, so you're off in a lot of directions and a lot of tangents and um, this is a big tangent right now uh, but uh, what I thought I would do is there seems to be a we're all into uh, for me I'm about five or no maybe a week into this uh, self-quarantine here. You know, I don't have any any, um, symptoms, but I was kind of put in this by the the companies that I work for. I do a lot of movie business, uh, a lot of movie extra work. And last week, I think around the 13th or 14th of March, we got the word that all movie productions were shutting down. And when they say all movie productions are shutting down, that means I'm not making any money. I also am a crafts dealer. I've done that quite a bit. I've also dealt blackjack and uh, roulette croupier, and uh, I've done poker. And so I love being on the house side, which means uh, I like to look at the odds. And uh, I've, a couple of things I've learned about gambling is that the house always wins. People try to think, you know, read the books and study and try to count cards, but in the end, the house will always win. The only way to make money in gambling is to play against another gambler, which means poker, where you have a chance to lie and read other people and take their money and so the odds are with you and the only odds that uh, the only way the, the casino makes money is through the rake, you know, taking a portion of your winnings. The um, So around the 13th or 14th is when all this really started to get heavy, but I do have notes in my notebook from... Uh, let me see, March 9th, I have uh, an entry about this. Um, I have an entry uh, around the 27th uh, of February. I was starting to take some notes down here. And I have somewhere written here um, in my notes about risk factors and how they seem to be building up. And here it is. Uh, on February 11th of 2020, over a month ago, I wrote in my notebook uh, just under a, a song that I, I, I found interesting uh, called Just My Imagination by The Temptations. I don't know why it says that. I was probably listening to it, and it's just a great song. But uh, underneath that is February 11th, 2020, and I have threat assessments, uh, China destabilization, coronavirus, Hong Kong protests, and then Trump. The guy is just a massive walk of, of threats. Uh, just It's just hard to imagine, but it's true. Uh, he, and his threats are to the rule of law. We have found that uh, on several occasions he feels he's above the law. And, and with a, a Republican senator or Senate who had a chance to remove him, they basically said, yes, he is above the law. So we had a chance to take him out, and we didn't. So here we are dealing with all the instability that I was writing about on the 11th of February. Um, 
And then I have the fact that many a man who goes his own way ends in ruin means nothing. He must obey his own law, as if it were a demon whispering to him of new and wonderful paths. There are not a few who are called awake by the summons of the voice, whereupon there are at once set apart from the others, feeling themselves confronted with a problem about which the others know nothing. Now this goes on and on and on. This is from Carl Jung, who said this stuff in 1954. He ends with um, the last sentence I have, and there's a whole bunch of stuff in between, and a lot of this is about the Tao, or the Tao, I guess you, you say, which is the way. And um, he says, to, to rest in Tao means fulfillment, wholeness, one's destination reached, one one's mission done, the beginning, the end, and perfect realization of the meaning of existence innate in all things. And again, I warned you, this is not coherent at all. This is jumping around. This is, the, this is how my brain works, so deal with it. So on the 20th of February, or excuse me, on the 11th of February, as I was starting to become aware of the threat of the coronavirus, uh, and it was all localized to China, right, at, the, at that time. Now, in classic American fashion, we've, uh, we've gotten so used to risk management. Risk management is things like, you know, insurance for car uh, and, uh, well, you know, eating healthier lowers your risk management disease, choosing not to smoke, all those kinds of things. Um, are, uh, are ways of managing our risk. But what happens is you start to become complacent and comfortable uh, and that you start to think there are no such things as risk and you think that there's no such thing as randomness, which we all know intrudes at all at times when you never expect it. I'm sure if you go out and look at um, forecasts from, the, from last year, 2019, you will not find one scenario, not one, except for maybe a crank, the guy that's sitting on the side of the road saying the end is near, you will not find one instance of anybody pre predicting that a, that a virus will uh, pop up in one part of the world and over a 30 or 60 day period will sweep across every single country in the entire planet, which is a giant, giant never-before-seen systemic collapse, uh, in a way, or a systemic risk that was building up and sweeping across the land. Now, there's the, at the time, there's, uh, and I've gotten in all kinds of discussions with people, when I try to say that the risk, and trying to put it in perspective and saying the risk is not as, quote, bad as warranting shutting down the entire world population, or, or world economy, um, and, but you get a lot of pushback on that because you start to see a lot of people that are saying, hey, we got you know, to listen to the authorities. They're telling us what to do. We need to kind of make all these voluntary changes like uh, uh, sheltering in place and not leaving the house and accepting that you know, some bureaucrat just said, guess what? You got to shut your doors and you got to lock in your doors and you're not allowed to be in business anymore, which is basically you're out of a job which uh, is a whole nother set of risks that are building up. It's how we respond. And I've said that, uh, you know, it's like finding an ant in your house, and the way to kill that ant is to blow it up with an, either with a grenade or hit it with a, uh, a fire or a, a flamethrower. 
uh, it's just it's, it just seems to be disproportionate what we're going through right now. But um, what I started to want to do is to get a sense for what the trends are, and where are things going. And you would start to see we'd start to see that it's as it comes into the United States through Washington and I guess the Seattle area and then through California and then you start kind of popping up all over the place like uh, New York City and then everywhere really. Um, you wonder why is all this stuff all of a sudden a problem or why is it something that we're paying attention? And, I, and for, all I, I, for all we could tell is that it may have been a problem last year. Uh, people may have been complaining of flu uh, symptoms. They go to the hospital. The doctor tests them for flu, and they find that there is no, um, they don't have the flu. So it gets labeled as a respiratory infection, and you know the person deals with it for the next two weeks and eventually clears itself up or dies even. And um, and so now the fact that we're we're able to we we have a test for this thing, or in China says it is coronavirus that is happening, then we're like, geez, we got to get tests, and we start putting tests into place, and of course numbers explode when you start labeling something that you hadn't labeled before, and it looks it looks like it makes you hysterical, and some people are just so petrified they don't want to leave the house, they don't want to touch anybody, they don't want to touch their own mate, and. Um, it's just, it's kind of crazy. So I'm just hoping that we can kind of keep things at an even keel here. There is plenty of, uh, you, the data when it comes up can be extreme, it can really move you in, in, in all kinds of ways that are not helpful. Um, you know, everybody says, well, what about Italy? What about Italy? What about Italy? And, you know, we're comparing our demographic situation or our, our environmental situation, where we live, all that stuff. We're looking at ourselves as identical to Italy. And so then we're using words like worst case scenario, what happens when we're going to have 20 million people dying on the streets and, you know, it's going to be hospitals are going to collapse. There's going to be all kinds of triage going on. There's going to be all kinds of death panels deciding who lives and who dies. Uh, by the way, it's always the rich that lives. Um, the, um, and so there's just uh, we're kind of voluntarily now just giving up right after right after right after right, and we're giving it up to politicians who have shown you over and over and over again how fucking worthless they are. Um, you know, some of them say the right things and say, and, are, and you know, they're they're outliers in my opinion. For the most part, they're in the business of politics to get rich. They're political entrepreneurs. So I wanted to start keeping a track of some data points that are simple and they may tell you nothing, but I am in Georgia in the United States. And so this is really what I care about the most. Um, California is 3,000 plus miles away from me. New York is several thousand miles uh, or a few thousand, a mile and a thousand, what is it, a thousand miles, I think, a little bit more. It doesn't matter. It's far away. Um, the uh, it's it, these are not relevant data points to me. I'm in a rural-ish area, but I'm like 32 miles outside of the one of the most large, the largest metropolitan areas, not only in the United States but in the world, Atlanta. So you know, it's not too rural here. It's not where you're talking somewhere in North Dakota, but um, we only have one case here, so it's not. It just and it's tragic, I guess. Um, but it's um, 
it's is it enough to put everybody out of work to, to fight it with so i started keeping track of the total cases and and then how many died which is the kind of the mortality rate now of course there's nothing much to be read in just those two numbers you have no idea and these are highly complex systems we have no idea what's causing the death whether they were vulnerable populations to begin with all that stuff won't happen for several months because somebody's collecting the, na the data like Johns Hopkins or whatever, but there's not enough of it yet to come to all to these simple conclusions as to whether it's, you know, we're going to die or not. The first calculation I did was first just looking at China and how many people got it and how many people um, and whether it's still growing. Now, of course, these numbers are completely based on the accuracy of, of the data that China provides, which is, let's say it's, ten, it's let's say it's five times worse than it actually is. 80,000 people got it, and it started to travel off, trickle off not too long ago, about four or five days ago. It was, you know, zero were getting it, and they were really kind of topped off, and that was seems to be the end of it for them. Well, there's 1.386 billion people in China. So uh, if 80,000 got it, and um, divided by 1.386 billion people, that's 0.00048% is a chance of you getting it. That's the risk. Uh, and it's assumed that we are, uh, because we're all human beings, it has nothing to do with whether they're Chinese or not. Uh, let's assume we're all human beings, which I'm not sure I would say that for some politicians, but um, let's assume we're all the same biologically. And so... 0.00048, that's like one out of every half million people, is going to get it. Now, I have no idea, but I'd love to know what is my risk of getting just a regular flu. Um, but um, it just it doesn't seem to be a giant risk that I'm willing to use as a way to operate, you know, my life. But, and, or, you know, I don't just don't live... I don't like to live fearfully. And there's this whole idea that if we could just create more safety for ourselves, uh, then everything will be fine. And there's a million quotes. I can't think of any of them. But um, it says basically um, to be safe and secure, you have to give up all your freedom. And, uh, you know, who other than the most fearful among us is ready to do that? Uh, I'm not. Um, so I'm tracking the numbers. Every a week ago, everybody's like, "Oh my God, it's gonna double! It's gonna triple every every day, and it's gonna be a hockey stick up to you know infinity." And it's uh, you know infectious diseases are hyperbolic; it should be kind of curving up as the as the net for network effect kicks in, and everything starts to you know people give it to three people, those three people give it to nine people, those nine people give it to you know 180 people, and um, it just explodes that way. So I wanted to just track uh, what matters is dead because or how many people die because that's an important number. That's the ultimate risk that you're dealing with here. But it's unclear what those risk factors are. So when you start to break it down, when I, I think the first number I kept track of was on... Well, the first number I was tracking was on March 9th, and that was the stock market. I was starting to say maybe two, two months ago to people that... Uh, 
the market was getting wobbly back then. It was already getting risky. And, and a sign of risk in markets is these big swings, these big price swings. I mean, never before have we seen thousand point swings day to day. You know, Trump is in typical typical douchebag manner uh, when the market goes up he signs the thing like he had anything to do with it and then when it goes down he blames it on everybody else um so every time i hear somebody oh what about the market well for all those people that invested on on trump's greatness uh the day he took office you've actually lost 2.8 percent of your money so uh you know Paper paper profits don't mean anything on a stock that runs up. It doesn't mean anything until you put the, take those profits or losses and put them in your pocket or lose them. So um, I started keeping track of the market. The, um, the, 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 the numbers I started watching were on March 16th, which was just a week ago today. At the time, there was 182,000 roughly and 7,100 dead in the United States or excuse me, in the world, and I stopped following the world after that. Um, in the U.S., there was 4,400, there was 4,476 and 81 dead. And in Georgia, there was 121 infected and one dead. Now, that was on the 16th. On the 17th, we were up to 5,300 in the U.S. and 96 dead. And we're in Georgia up to 146 from 121 and still one dead. Then, da, 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 by March 18th, I was at, uh, we were at 8,775 and 134 dead. And in Georgia, 197 and still one dead. Now, keep in mind, all through this, people are like, oh my God, oh my God, get inside, close the shutters. Um, hug your hug your family, kiss, say goodbye to them, get in the covers, pull the covers up over your head, and wait for the inevitable hellscape that's going to come flying through. The 19th, we were up to, in Georgia, um, 287 infected and 10 dead. So we started to make a big leap from the 18th to the 19th. That was a, a mortality rate of 3.48% in the United or in Georgia. On the 20th, we were at 18,769 in the United States and 235 have died. In Georgia, 420 uh, and 13 had died. The next day, five, uh, 23,940, 301 have died. In Georgia, it was 507 and 14 have died. And March 22nd, yesterday, Sunday, and is anybody but me losing the time is starting to really get distorted and I could hardly tell it was Sunday yesterday because uh, for me Sunday is you know sit around watch sports uh, chill out wait for the Monday wait for the weekend to end and it just didn't have any of that feel yesterday it was just like oh crap here we are huh? trying to think of something to do and I'd like to think I'm out writing you know like Shakespeare out writing uh, King Lear but uh, just hasn't happened yet just wish I had the time you know, just wish I had the time to do this stuff. Uh, March 22nd, Georgia, 600 uh, infected and 23 dead. Now, that's after a week, and everybody's like, the numbers are going to double, 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 double. Well, they're not doubling. They're growing at about 30% per day, which is, you know, it's not fun, but, you know, that's the case. So all the fears everybody keep using, whether and that's in the media, on TV, uh, ABC News, 
uh, it's all, they all go to the worst case scenario. And because they, I think people just don't know how to put numbers in perspective. As of today, in my county, and I have no idea how many people are in the county, but it's not a small one, there's one person infected, one. And I live across the street from a hospital, and every day I'm out there and driving by, it's pr- it looks pretty quiet. <laughs> uh, there doesn't seem to be this hellscape emerging. And yet, what's happening in, our, in Washington, D.C. is they are contemplating massive, giant, 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 giant bailouts. And this is from a country that's already in debt, $23 trillion. And we're getting ready to blow that even more through the hole. And the person that's going, we're trusting to do it is Donald Trump. He's an idiot. He's, I wouldn't give the guy lunch money to trust. Uh, he's just, he's so corrupt in that. I think his, in my mind, his entire calculus right now is how did he's, how does he make, Trump International, whatever the hell is the Trump companies or whatever he calls his business, uh, I'm sure he's trying to figure out ways to keep it whole because he's getting shellacked just like everybody else. So they try to pass through a, a thing yesterday with the Republicans and they say, we want $500 billion, $500 billion. Uh, we want that money uh, and we're going to let Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury, Treasury Secretary, and Donald Trump have the discretion to spend it wherever they want and we don't want them to have to report it for six months because, well, we you know politics. We don't want to get everybody in, you know, all crazy here while we dis- dis- distribute money to all our friends. So um, this is when you start going insane when people start bitching and moaning about the word socialism uh, and and or capitalism and that it's the only way to go. Remember. Uh, uh, what's her name? Margaret Thatcher said she called it Tina, T-I-N-A, and that stands for there is no alternative, which is a way of shutting down people's imagination. And so that's the last thing we need right now is fearfulness makes us makes us dumb, in my opinion. And what we're going to need and what's going to happen is that something will emerge from this and we can either sit back and watch it happen uh, and, you know, just hope to God that whoever it is we entrust our lives to, whatever authority figure we, we deem is the, the right one to fix our lives and to make our, our, our lives safe, um, they're going to be putting a lot of this stuff out there and doing things that are definitely not in the rank and file. And us, the, the, the lumpen uh, voter, they don't care about us. Um, they, you know, they care about bailing out, you know, when, when, it's, when the business gets in trouble, uh, you no longer have capitalism. Now you are have you have socialism, and that's what they're begging and screaming for and saying, if we don't get a little bit of that socialism, and this is Boeing or any of these giant major you know, airlines like United, they're all saying, uh, you have to make us whole or we're going to start laying people off. It's a threat. And who's saying that but the CEO, the top executives, the ones who got... trillion in tax cuts last year. And what did they do with it? They bought back their stock. They didn't buy a new, new, they didn't build a new plant. They didn't uh, make their planes bigger so that they're more comfortable. They put it into their stock buyback plan, which is, it's financial engineering. That's all they did with the money. And now they're saying, geez, that didn't work. Uh, Well, it did work. The bonuses to those executives were giant. Um, but now they, uh, now they're here handing it with a handout again. And you know, capitalism—it's capitalism. 
you know, privatize the profit, but uh, socialize the losses, which means dump them into our lap. And then they'll give us some crumbs, maybe uh, people under 40 or something like 25 or $40,000 will only get, if if this thing passes, we'll get, we'll get $600, which obviously is, you know, won't even cover rent. So, um, but the other 500 billion or, you know, I think it's like 58 billion, something like that. It's just going to one company, the airlines. So uh, I, I, I'm going to wrap it up. You could see how um, what I'm going to try to do through all of this is just kind of make updates as they come along and try to, without screaming at people, um, try to put the numbers in perspective, not to tell people go out and be reckless and start licking things and hugging people whether they want to be hugged or not, but um, saying this is another side of this i understand the fears um, i have two kids I, I don't want to scream bloody murder with them i don't want them to see me running down the middle of the street with my hair on fire um so it it, it requires some some coolness and some calmness and also just looking for the numbers and also being interested in it it's fascinating to me um but the results of or what's happening with our politicians it's like a fractal right it's the same thing over and over again they never change the playbook which is when things all and i read just this morning all that mitch mcconnell cares about right now is the stock market that is his indicator when things are bad he is in freaking out when things he's are good he's disappears but right now, he's tying all of our responses to the stock market, which doesn't even reflect reality anymore. You don't invest. Nobody invests on fewer um, um, profits and you know P.E. ratios. None of that stuff matters anymore. It's pure speculation. And it, it can't be anything but when you invest so much money in companies like Elon Musk's and uh, his uh, – Tesla businesses and all the other things. He's now been branded a genius or whatever, but he's a genius pissing through other people's money. You know, he didn't use his own money to start any of these companies. In fact, Tesla is, gets a huge amount of subsidies because it's, uh, you know, batteries and all this kind of stuff. And uh, people invest in that, but Tesla doesn't make any money. Like Uber doesn't make any money. They destroy wealth. They destroy value. And so um, we give them the benefit of the doubt as being geniuses, and it's, uh, it's bullshit. They're not any greater, smarter, or better than we are. In fact, they're worse. You know, they walk around all high and mighty like they're masters of the universe, and without debt, they wouldn't be anywhere. They, you know, they burn through other money and they borrow tons of money and when it doesn't go the way they declare bankruptcy or they do a chapter 11 and they drop all that shit in the lap of their creditors and they walk away and they go to their you know their next thing and um it's absurd so all those businesses you know down here in atlanta i was at a party not too long ago and looming over the whole place was a building with the we work uh, logo at the very top of it. It's probably a 30, 40, 50 story building with a, and they haven't even gone public yet and they've been trying to forever, but it's such a bullshit model that they're having trouble. Well, they're not going to do it now. And now that the market is where it's at, they'll never go public, but they've already burned through, you know, billions of dollars and maybe not billions, probably maybe a billion 
Uh, same thing with Uber. They burned through billions that came through first through private equity, then it came through venture capital, then it went to places like Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan and their investment banking group. And then each time they have to raise the valuation up, 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 up. Each time they do another tranche, every time they do another series investment, it has to be at a higher valuation. The ultimate is to dump it in the lap of the lumpen investor and walk away. And uh, not walk away. It's all restricted stock. Then they just, they're all insiders. They all know what's going on in the business. And they have to say, well, my broker says I, part of my estate planning, I should sell my stock every couple of months. And they're really just trying to, they're like rats, you know, trying to get out of, run from the sinking ship. Um, That's it for now. (laughs) This stuff is fun. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to, I don't have no idea how often I'm going to do this and, uh, and, and, but it, something that should be posted quick if uh if I, I do ever get it online and people can take a uh, and people have ideas on what i should talk about and other you know counter ideas i really didn't put any big uh, theories out there or any kind of forecasts or predictions or anything like that but i'd like to think to do i'd like to do, start doing it just out of fun uh that's it for now thanks for your time and uh like i said keep it together Let's not lose our heads, as I said. You know, when you have kids, I've said this to a lot of people, when you have kids, despair is not an option. You just can't go up to them and say, you know what, there's no point in trying. Uh, you know, we, we took a good run at it, but things are just, uh, you know, shitty and that there's no way to, to, there's no way to rise above this. And uh, I don't know, if anybody says that to me, I wouldn't want to listen to them at all. Um, so we have to keep going, and uh, the, that's the good news. There's no, there's no other choice. There's no, there's no Tina here. Uh, there is no alternative other than to keep going, and but to question authority, uh, question what their motives are. Don't do it in a hysterical way, but uh, you know, don't don't let these guys off the hook. And for God's sake, stop voting for them if they're not doing what they promised they were going to do the past 22 years. These people stick around forever, and uh, it's through the voter that allows them to stay, a lot of them. Uh, They just never go away. That's it for now. Keep the faith, and keep on keeping on.